The podcast under the stairs. Void diary entry number 23. Hi, everyone. This is Duncan from The Podcast Under the Stairs. Please ignore everything I have said about the Druid Overlords. The Overlords are benevolent. Please ignore everything I said about the Druid Overlords. The Druid Overlords are benevolent. End of message. You're listening to Druid FM on 192 BC. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs, episode number 62. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Episode number 62 continues our top 10 countdown of the top 10 best Christopher Lee and Vincent Price horror performances as selected by myself um, and an epic battle, a 10 week showdown for supremacy. At the moment... We're currently sitting at a draw, two points to Christopher Lee and two points to Vincent Price. Will someone take the lead on this episode? Um, joining me on this episode later on, my very special guest from the Midnight Horror Show is none other than Mr. Mark Ball and we will be looking at The Curse of Frankenstein and The House on Haunted Hill. So two fantastic movies from the horror genre to discuss later on. But um, as always at the start of the show, I'd like to play a little bit of catch up for you all uh, just to let you know how things are going I hope everyone out there is doing great and thank you very much for all the (laughs) insanely positive feedback for um, the the Baz V Horror 18 as Baz kicked off his look at the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, franchise he's done the first three movies the next three will be coming up in a Baz V Horror coming soon probably in the next two to three weeks um, and yeah that'll be another week where two shows drop at once if you've been checking out the Facebook page you will also know that um, the podcast Under the Stairs will be celebrating a second anniversary second year anniversary coming up real soon in fact at the end of this month uh, Monday the 31st of August will be exactly two years since this show debuted and um, I'm wanting to really try and make it something that has quite a lot of audience participation so we're running quite a lot of bits and bobs um, in ways of uh, chances for you to leave feedback Uh, there'll be another Ask Duncan section which we ran on the last anniversary show which was a lot of fun Um, also opening the floor to anyone out there that has a mobile device or has a record set up in the house, a recording set up, that if you want to leave me an MP3 message at all to play on this show, I will do so. I will do that. All you have to do is email it to podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com and um, send them in. I, I really would love have as much feedback from you guys as possible if you're a new listener or an old school OG listener of the podcast under the stairs please leave a little message um, and obviously I can't wait to bring that show I'm still putting the details together I don't know exactly how that's going to down but um, I'm going to hopefully have some uh, 
some cool movie reviews on that show, maybe some guests as well from different different shows to record bits and bobs, uh, really try and make it a bit of an extravaganza because it's not often that your show turns two years old. Um, some shows never make there, uh, some shows stay well past their sell-by date, uh, hopefully the podcast under the stairs is still fresh um, and you guys have not uh, felt the need to start slowly deleting me from your feed um, but yeah so that'll be coming up real soon as well if you listen to the previous episode as well you will note that we have now officially released the list of movies that Baz will be tackling in Baz v Halloween and oh what a cruel cruel bastard I am um, I'll just reiterate those movies again so obviously we know that Baz loves his found footage um, it terrifies the ever-loving fuck out of them. So what we will be doing is we will be uh, doing a found footage movie each week as the main feature, and as the the other movie review on that show, I have uh, created a new category called Unsettling Cinema, which features movies which are pretty tough to watch, um, and not tough as in they're so bad, uh, just tough as in the subject matter's pretty grim. So week one we'll be doing I Spit in Your Grave and The Last Broadcast, week two Antichrist in the Den, week three is Irreversible and Lake Mungo, week four is Eden Lake and The Taking of Deborah Logan, and week five will be Requiem for a Dream and Home Movie, and the whole show will culminate on our Halloween show, which will be another live video commentary this year is Grave Encounters 2, can't wait for that shit to kick off, so a lot of fun to be had, hopefully for you guys uh, watching Baz um, slowly be tortured into oblivion, which let's be honest is the only reason anyone listens to this show anyways, to hear the Baz get it, but um, yeah, so we'll be also running some competitions uh, in future shows, um, the long-awaited promised uh, Tenebrae Blu-ray from Arrow will be coming up real soon for UK listeners or people that have multi-region players and for the Americans there will be a competition for you to win a podcast under the stairs poster yeah one of those very very nice posters which um, I still have quite a few of um, I don't know why they didn't sell as quick as I thought I believe I purchased too many uh, I thought 75 people listening to this show clearly not um, but yeah so I think this is about the perfect time for me to jump out just now um, you're going to hear promos for shows I love and then the intro to our top 10 Vincent Price versus Christopher Lee and when I return I'll be joined by Mark Ball from the Midnight Horror Show I'll be right back after this Do you like movie reviews that are insightful? thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. May I have your attention, please? Mr. Harker, I'm glad that you've arrived safely. I am Dracula, and I welcome you to my house. Ready to give the people what they want. Sensation, horror, shock. Then tell us where Mercata is. The fear causes tremendous tensions in the body can't relieve those tensions, why can't they become strong enough to kill you? 
destroyed. Oh, splendid. This must be my malaria. And now, for our more dreadful sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream! Scream for your lives! I intended a peaceful occupation, but you have made that impossible. You suspect uh, the whole play? It's almost time to lock up the house. Then your party will really begin. I wonder how it'll end. I will flog every person in this village. You are about to enter hell. You will warn the crew that if any one of them lets slip what really happened to the Armada, I will personally cut out his tongue. Salt and mercury, effective against the dark forces. They will protect you and Simon. We can save him. The mark of Satan is upon them. I appreciate the fact that you are here to help me. Nevertheless, I would remind you that you are also a guest in my house. Welcome, fool. You have come of your own free will to the appointed place. Okay, no. The pit! The pen. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. And welcome back to episode number 62 of the podcast Under the Stairs. This is number 8 on my countdown of the top 10 Christopher Lee versus Vincent Price. Um, so, let's I mean, we need to get into some movie reviews on this show, and we have a couple of absolute crackers at number 8. Um, so, you will be hearing reviews of The Curse of Frankenstein from 1957 and also The House on Haunted Hill from 1959. Joining me this week, another extra special guest from the podcasting fraternity. He is my uh, cohort. Um, yes, <laughs> cohort seemed like a good word, but I wanted to try and make it sound like you were more of a bad influence. So, uh, a yeah, partner in crime. Partner in crime sounds better. Over on the Midnight Horror Show is, of course, Mark Ball. How are you doing, sir? Pretty good and good to be here under the stairs once again. Yeah, it's always great having you back. It doesn't happen often enough, but when it does, they're memorable. Which some people would say it's quality over quantity. Um, which this is, is going to be a good one. I'm really stoked you invited me on for this one. Yeah, I didn't realise that House on Haunted Hill is like legitimately one of your favourite Vincent Price movies. So I, I know you snapped at it when I suggested it and you were like, oh, I want to do that show. But yeah. I didn't realise it was because this is like one of your favourite Vincent Price. I hope this does not taint your. Uh, your um, opinions come the end of the show. I hope I hope you will be completely impartial. <laughs> Although, in fairness, the movie we're about to talk about, Christopher Lee doesn't do a lot of talking in it. So, <laughs> nope, no. So that 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 I don't know. I, we could we could focus on body language. I don't know. We'll get into that anyway. Uh, like I said, you are on the Midnight Horror Show. Um, could you tell my listeners, as if they need to know, because I'm pimping off. But uh, you you should probably tell them this thing. How can people check out the show? Uh, so we do the show live once a week. It's Wednesday. That's East Coast, uh, Eastern Standard Time, what have you, at 7 p.m. Uh, the website is tmhsradio.com. Uh, you can find back episodes on iTunes. Uh, I've got a lot of the early stuff is on the SoundCloud page. Just go to soundcloud.com and search The Midnight Horror Show. 
Um, yeah, we're on Twitter. Uh, you got to go join the Facebook group. That's like the big thing. That's where, that's where we converse most, and that's where we get a lot of our awesome live show interactions in there, like uh, Spider-Man memes and pictures of cock pizzas and things like that. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man and cock pizzas every Wednesday yep. night. <laughs> live! It's, it's a fucking blast. Like, I, I don't really... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that there's really not a lot of other shows that even... It, we're like completely different from any show you've heard and i know that's like total you know jacking that show off maybe a little more than i should but i know it's um, legitimately your spot on I, I i take part in that show it is the most fun two hours i do every week and anything that i record um and it's the only show that you go into and as soon as things start you legitimately don't know five minutes into it where it's going to end at all nah. And we don't we don't know where the fuck no. it's going. We we try and plan things sometimes and then they go wonderfully terribly awry. Yeah. That's part of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you um and you have recently started up an additional Facebook page which is kinda of more focusing on kind of promoting news stories and things like that. How can people check that show out? Oh, sorry, uh, that page out. That page, uh, Facebook page is called Midnight Horror, and it's at uh, facebook.com slash Midnight Horror Home, because for some reason, just plain old Midnight Horror was already taken. God damn them. But yeah, I tend to post, uh, that's where a lot of the, because for a long time, the Facebook group is primarily used for like posting, you know, like news stories, and that's kind of where I would collect them, and then we'd talk about them on the show once a week. But I've since the the group is so full of fucking cat pictures and unicorns <laughs> coming rainbows and weird shit, like I basically like I, I I've, I've been a little slow on it lately because it's been super busy. But I've been trying to like post over there and get some get some likes and shit like that because it's it's kind of a good tool to be able to see like what people can actually see and it, you know you get like. It, the, post view counts and goofy shit like that basically so i i, I kind of like that format better and it gives it's a little we've got a little more control over it yeah yeah the, which is kind of why the group is great is because there is no control over i was about to say it's the exact opposite polar opposite of of what the group page is like which is just anarchy it's anarchy incarnate yeah. um so yeah so I, i'm really glad that you've joined me uh for for this particular show um because once again, the, the beauty of doing this top 10, as uh, my listeners will already attest to, because they've heard me speak about some Vincent Price movies and some Christopher Lee movies already on this countdown, is just the complete wealth of fantastic stand-up performances that both actors have. Uh, these have ranked number 8 on my list. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a very short break. Um, you're going to hear the trailer for our first movie review, which is The Curse of Frankenstein from 1957. When we return, we're going to be discussing that movie right after this. Flesh Like Smoke is the toothsome new shapeshifter anthology from April Moon Books. Curated and edited by Brian M. Sammons with illustrations by Neil Baker, Flesh Like Smoke is a collection of 16 tales of visceral horror from today's most talented authors. Some of these tortured souls lash out against their cursed existence, while others relish the taste of animalistic power. Ranging from gut-wrenching terror to heart-rending pathos, Flesh Like Smoke will leave you salivating for more with every turn of the page. 
Fleshlike Smoke is available in paperback and ebook format from Amazon.com and AprilMoonBooks.com, as well as other online purveyors of fine literature. Hurry to sink your claws into a copy before the next full moon. More than a hundred years ago, in a mountain village in Switzerland, lived a man whose strange experiments with the dead have since become a legend. A legend that is still told with horror the world over. We've only just started, just opened the door. But now's the time to go through that door and find what lies beyond it. But don't you see, Paul? We've discovered the source of life itself, and we've used it to restore a creature that was dead. This is Frankenstein, who revolted against nature, who experimented with the devil and was forever cursed. His unwilling collaborator was Paul Kremp. I can't prove you murdered, but I can stop you using his brain. Why? He has no further use for it. Don't be a Be careful! You damn it! Only two women ever entered this house of evil. Elizabeth, come back! Elizabeth, the lovely cousin who had promised to marry him, and Justine, the maid, who kept passionate and secret rendezvous with her master. Won't you understand you're in real danger? What Victor is doing is dangerous to everyone in the house. Now, you cannot possibly conceive what dreadful thing he's planning to do. What are you trying to tell me, Paul? That Victor's wicked? Insane? Wicked? Insane? Evil? Call Frankenstein what you will. A demon had made a man-made monster. And now, the monster was the master. Paul, what are you going to do? For your sake and to protect Elizabeth, I've so far kept silent. But now I shall go to the authorities and have them destroy that creature. And see that you pay for these atrocities. No! <laughs> And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for the first movie review, The Curse of Frankenstein, from 1957, directed by Terence Fisher. Um, this is loosely based on Mary Shelley's uh, classic story, um, Frankenstein. Um, but also the screenplay adaptation was done by Jimmy Sangster. Uh, the movie stars Peter Cushing, Hazel Court, Robert Uckwart, um, Christopher Lee, Melvin Hayes, Valerie Gunt, uh, and lots of other folks. Synopsis for this movie is listed on IMDb. Victor Frankenstein builds a creature and brings it to life, but his creature behaves not as he intended. Uh, this is like, this is classic Hammer horror for me. This is this is what I grew up on. This is my shit right here. Um, I've seen this movie God knows how many times. I would like to say this is the first time I saw Christopher Lee in a, in a Hammer horror movie, but I believe I saw Dracula first. Um, but th this performance to me, and I know we were joking about it earlier on uh, in, our, in our opening segment that, you know, Chris uh, Christopher Lee doesn't say anything in this movie. Uh, but the reason it landed number eight on the list, because I, I know a lot of people would be like, if he doesn't say anything, how do we, you know, how can you put him against Vincent Price, who talks a lot? Uh, well, to me, 
the way he plays Frankenstein is so incredibly creepy. Um, it almost kind of, on some level, kind of mirrors that of when you watch Nosferatu and you see uh, Max Schreck played uh, um, uh, Kent Orlock. It's kind of this, you know, like it's that. It, it kind of harks back to that silent cinema, even though. You know, it's not a silent movie. So, I, I mean, that aspect is what's kind of drawn me to the performance side of things here. It is going to be an uphill struggle here um, compared to House on Haunted Hill. We're not going to, we're not going to sugarcoat that. But um, I think it's just really quite an interesting movie. I think the first thing that needs to be kind of stressed is yes, this is based on the Mary Shelley classic, <laughs> and at the same time, you know. I would say it's it's quite a bit different from that of the the actual Universal classic Frankenstein. There's something a bit more sinister in this. Um, the fact that you have Peter Cushion playing Victor Frankenstein. I mean, what this will be my third Christopher Lee movie that I've talked about on this show, and they can't done this far, and all three of them have had Peter Cushion in them. So that's awesome. It's fucking brilliant, you know what I mean. But some of the best Lee performances are done alongside Peter Cushion. So um, there's something maniacally twisted about his portrayal of of Victor Frankenstein, which I think is just brilliant. Um, that that aspect of you know inheriting money and knowing straight from the moment that he inherits the money after the death of his parents that he knows exactly what he wants to do and he wants to really delve into the science um, and him and his tutor ultimately end up working together but while his tutor still maintains a sense of ethics but kind of loose ethics Victor Frankenstein doesn't have those e- ethics at all and as um, the ability to bring creatures back from the dead grows uh, he gains this sort of god complex which basically he believes that he can create whatever he wants, a creature of his own design, and he goes out his way to you know make sure that he's going to use the body of a a, a killer, <laughs> but the hands are going to be of this fantastic artist, um, and the brain is going to be from this eminent scientist. You know that this is how it's going to, this is how he's going to make sure that it doesn't turn into a monster. He's going to use this beautiful mind, so to speak. But in an altercation with his friend, uh, who disapproves, um, the brain is smashed off the side of a wall. And as these things happen, (laughs) um, it turns out that makes the thing a bit violent. So when the creature actually gets brought to life, uh, it tries to at first kill um, Victor Frankenstein. uh, And then it goes on the rampage in the town. doesn't quite reach the town. Um, Victor Frankenstein's friend shoots Frankenstein in the eye, killing him. But of course, uh, Frankenstein brings him back to life, and when his friend leaves, vowing never to return, Frankenstein continually works on him. When his friend returns, because Frankenstein is getting married, uh, the monster is once again back to life, um, but in a lot sorrier estate when we see him the second time round. <laughs> he's he's kind of been he's like he's he's kind of looks it looks a wee bit like a a, a, Franken, a Frankenstein Skrillex. Because he's like side his head is shaved, you know, from from all the all the brain surgery. I shouldn't make fun of this; it's tragic. Um, but <laughs> Skrillex's haircut is pretty tragic. I gotta yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he should he should adopt the 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 
Christopher Lee Frankenstein haircut. It's, mu it's much more fetching. It's in just now. It's in season. Um, but yeah, the, the altercation between um, Vincent. Uh, sorry, I keep wanting to say Vincent Price. The altercation between Peter Cushion uh, and his friend kind of gets a bit more violent. They end up arguing, and when uh, Victor Frankenstein's betrothed goes up into the room, uh, she finds that Frankenstein has escaped. Frankenstein is on the roof, and uh, ultimately. What happens is a showdown between uh, Master and Creation um, with Victor Frankenstein throwing an oil lamp on Frankenstein, burning him, uh, and then he falls into a vat of acid, thus destroying <laughs> the monster forever. You know, it's like the double tap. You know, I mean, first you've been burned, vat of acid. Um, which I would love to say is all the time we're going to see a vat of acid, but then it's. I guess <laughs> one similarity between these two movies both have big vats of acid. For no reason at all. Thing, yeah, I think maybe yes. it was a thing. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, the, the monster dies. Um, and of course, this whole story has been narrated by Frankenstein, who's being held uh, in, like, in prison. He's confessing to a father. Um, and then his friend arrives, and Victor Frankenstein believes that his friend will obviously convince everyone that you know his story's true. His friend turns his back on him, probably because <laughs> he's looking forward to pumping his missus. Hell uh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's looking to get down with this woman that, from the very start, he's been like, I like you, and now we need to escape. Uh, but now he has a legitimate reason to do that. And uh, this movie ends with Frankenstein being taken to the guillotine. Um, and obviously there was movies after this, so he obviously doesn't die. But this is Hammer Horror, uh, so even if he did die, they could bring him back anyway, with no explanation at all. It's Peter Cushion. <laughs> Peter Cushion, unlike unlike uh, the Highlander, when his head is removed, still lives. So there you go. It's a, a lesser known fact. Had you seen Curse of Frankenstein before, Mark? And if so, um, did it hold up? And if not, what did you think of it? I had not seen this before. I, I'm kind of ashamed to say this. Horror or uh, Hammer horror is not something I'm super well versed in. I think uh, I, th I think my parents grew up with more with the universal stuff, so uh -huh. a lot of that is what I saw at a younger age. Uh, this is super different than the Boris Karloff Frankenstein. Like they're uh, this one's like it, it's super loosely based, but it, I, it's I don't know. It's that, that that's not like a bad thing by yeah. any means. Um, yeah, this this is Peter Cushing's movie for sure. He fucking just owns this fucking thing, and yeah. like Christopher Lee comes in, uh, kind of almost steals the show without saying a fucking word the whole movie. And he's Christopher Lee's fucking terrifying in this. I I, I like the comparison to Count Orlock and Nosferatu. He's just like this fucking. He does all kinds of just really scary things, and his body language is super brilliant. He's definitely got like the the Romero zombie walk kind of gone down, but yeah. <laughs> then there's, there's like a couple shots where he'll just like fly, like especially after he gets shot in the face and his face is a little fucking more gooky looking. There's one shot, I think it's out in the barn or something where it just cuts to him and he's just like staring at him and it's fucking, it's ghoulish and terrifying for sure. Um, yeah, I, I dug this movie a lot. This is, uh, this kind of makes me want to watch, you know, watch a lot of the horror hammer horror movies that I haven't seen. Um, you know, the sets are fucking amazing. I, I was really, I, I didn't really know anything about this, like going into it. So the parts like showing uh, Victor Frankenstein as a kid, I thought were really interesting. And that's not something they really talk about in a lot of other Frankenstein adaptions, basically 
is where he got this giant lab and shit and yeah basically he was a spoiled old rich kid and i thought that kid did it was a, did it pretty well he's like very oh yeah you want he, to he, slap the shit out of him he pulls off the snobby like child genius kind of deal and there's a great moment where like his tutor shows up and he's like you know considerably older than victor at that point and is like I think he's, you know, he's asking about his parents and stuff. Who, who, who hired me? He's like, I did. I'm little Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> but I love it because he goes, I'm, I'm Baron Frankenstein. He's like, and, and who will be paying me? And he's like, Baron Frankenstein. He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah, the one point are you missing here? So who yeah. are you again? Baron Frankenstein. <laughs> Right, so where's your parents? My parents are dead. I'm Baron Frankenstein. Right, so just I, it's just so I understand who's paying me. Baron Frankenstein's paying me, and who's that again? That's me. It's, like, it's, it's like a richy rich moment almost. It is, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, this uh, I don't know. The thing about Hammer Horror, like from my from what I've gathered from the bunch I've seen, a lot of them are kind of slow burns, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are super dialogue heavy. And th- this is kind of like that, but I-, I think it works to its advantage because this doesn't have a huge cast of characters. There's, you know, five or six people throughout the whole thing that you kind of stick with. And I think you get enough time that they develop the characters really well. Like uh, Victor Frankenstein seems, you know, he's he's not the one dimensional kind of mad scientist. You know, he like there's a great line where he says, you don't see the horror of what you're doing, which he doesn't. And, you know. I don't know. The, I, I really love the part where the the first time that his friend, the tutor, I think his name's Paul, yeah, is talking Paul. talking to his his cousin, who's to be his wife, uh, and like telling her to get the fuck out of the house. Yo, there's like crazy shit going on upstairs. Let's fucking get out of this popsicle stand. And uh, she's like. I, f- I forget what the line is, but there's like a jump cut right after she says something and it goes to Frankenstein making out with his fucking maid. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of those things that's really weird about this movie is that, I mean, the the on some level, like when we first meet Victor Frankenstein, you know, when they bring back the animal, uh, you know, the dog back to life and things like that, there's, there's a degree of almost nobility uh, yeah. to what they've done. And then the more you find out, the more that curtain is drawn back over Victor Frankenstein's character, the more you find that there's very little to like about him because he's been stringing on his maid who he's been shagging for years, um, basically saying, I will marry you one day. In the meantime, he's moved his, his cousin in who he is marrying um, and, you know, is, is stringing her along at the same time and he has interest in neither. His sole interest is on the <laughs> science. That's really who he's married to, his science, but the, the other two are inconsequential to that. Um, I love the fact that also, like, once again, a lot of the stuff could be written off that. He's only he's only robbing graves. He's only yeah. taking parts of dead bodies until he brings the eminent scientist along and then says, oh, look out, and then pushes him <laughs> through the balcony and the guy <laughs> drops in his head. And I, I don't know, right, I don't... The thing about that sequence is it actually looks like a real man fell and smacked his head. Yep, lands right on his fucking head. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't look like a fucking like any any Universal movie. That would have been a dummy, and it would have been kind of obvious it was a dummy. I kind of think they really threw a dude off some <laughs> off a balcony in this movie. And that's fucking. That's amazing. <laughs> He's like, I so so I I'm getting the part of 
uh, eminent scientist, yes. So what does this part entail? Well, you need to read the following lines. And the thing about that scientist as well, that scientist validates a lot of what Frankenstein believes because he says that the line that basically... Um, as scientists, we give away our discoveries far too early to people that won't fully understand them and then move on to the next thing. And that's basically what Frankenstein's been saying from the start. Yeah, we could show these scientists that we brought back a puppy, but why show them we can bring back a puppy when we can create a giant fucking monster? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Can I get an email, anyone? That's, uh, that's where the money's at, bringing back them giant super monsters. Of course it is. Of course it is. But then you're that eminent scientist sitting in the... In the, in the room with the casting room it's like yeah right so I get to read these lines that's brilliant and then I die right how do I die what, what do you mean you can't tell me just now what, what do you mean <laughs> have I been to diving classes why is that important uh, and then on the day right you're taking a tumble off here alright is there a mat no <laughs> it's like fucking thud it's uh, yeah it looks, painful. it looks really sore it looks really 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 sore but I think it just adds to what you were saying that hammer horror movies tend to be they, they, that is one of the big accusations is they tend to be quite slow pa paced and they tend to be very dialogue heavy and I, I think that can sometimes be an issue when you don't have people like Peter Cushion delivering the dialogue yeah. I don't listen to that guy read the phone book to me honestly he's got one of those voices that's so inherently aristocratic sounding that it just sounds you know it just has his voice everything he says you believe every single word. He could have. He could have said that the, the fucking the Spliggelhausen had requires another Jigglehugen to 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 reanimate its blagandagen, and I'd be like, these sound like real things. Because Pierre Cushion's Pierre Cushion has made me a believer with his real. You know, it's, it, that's just the way he speaks, and um, I think that's well, obviously with other movies where Christopher Lee has dialogue alongside him. The two of them conversing is just it's a, a delight to watch, but it's not often that you see. Like Cushion completely manifest the evil persona in a movie, and um, certainly did in last week when we talked about uh, Doctor Terror's House of Horror. Um, he's playing a, another kind of villain, so to speak. In his eyes, he's not a villain. In his eyes, he's doing things for, as he would say in Hot Fuzz, the greater good. Um, but in uh, this one, obviously, like you say, the fact that he's his friend Paul who eventually becomes a bit of a dick anyway. Paul, Paul's a dick by letting him die. Uh, but on some level, Paul sees, I think on some level, that if he lets Frankenstein back out, Frankenstein will continue his work, which yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't want him to do. So, um, yeah, I think I think the thing about the movie is, yeah, at its fundamental core, it's, you know, it's Frankenstein. We all know Frankenstein. I think the slight stylistic changes and slight casting changes that they do in this movie elevate it and make it a, a bit more of an interesting watch and like we say is it, uh, kind of relating it back to Christopher Lee there is I mean if we talk about the makeup the makeup alone is terrifying in this movie the fact that one of his eyes is dead looking you know it's that kind of milky cataract sort of white colour um, and the fact that his skin looks like it's just kind of hanging off um, it doesn't have the polish the refined polish of uh, you know a Karloff Frankenstein. This looks gnarly. This looks like a corpse that's been yeah. reanimated, and I think that kind of adds to that helps that you're you know the size of Christopher Lee was six foot four, um, and he's incredibly skinny. And the clothes, once again, we're talking about that kind of Orlock kind of scenario. The clothes are very fitted, so he has that kind of very 
jaggy edged sort of shoulders and waist and stuff. He looks and like a goth kid, kind of. He does look like a goth kid. Little did they know when they made this movie that years from now, kids would be dressing like this and going to industrial raves. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's the, and like you said, he has that kind of Romero zombie walk uh, going on, but the, the kind of cl- intense close-up shots, the way he snarls, um, it's terrifying. <laughs> he, yeah. look, he looks... He is, he is evil personified, and I love that. I think it's great. I think it's great. Is there anything else you would like to mention about this movie before we uh, refill our glasses, take a short break, and come back to uh, one of your favourite Vincent Price movies, The House on Haunted Hill from 1959? Um, uh, yeah, Curse of Frank, it's, it's, it's really good. Like, yeah, if it, it, it starts a little slow, like... I think almost all Hammer movies do, but if you stick with it, like it gets it gets pretty intense towards the end, and all the performances throughout are great. Like if nothing else, watch this for Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee because this is like this is like it's fucking great. Like Christopher Lee doesn't say a goddamn word through the whole thing, and he almost steals the show. So there you go. You you got to check this one out. Fantastic. Right, we're going to take a short break when we return. It's our second and final movie review of the show, so you're going to hear the trailer for that movie. House on Haunted Hill from 1959. We're going to be right back after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. Black Annis Horror Podcast, the podcast that will change your life forever. That is not what, that's not, no. Intense. This is going to be filled with spoilers. So insightful that you will question your place in the universe. I don't like gore. Mind-blowing. Repetition of the repetition. Is that a word? That is now a word. Inspiring. It's almost like a little advertisement. Life changing. It's one of two things all the way through. Either predictable or stupid. Black Anna's Horror Podcast. Exclusively available on the Legion Podcast Network. to my party in the house on Haunted Hill, where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. No. Are you ready, dear? Yes, damn you. 
ghosts are waiting, so won't you join me in the house on Haunted Hill? Hurry, or you'll be late for your own funeral. And welcome back. So, you've just heard the trailer for movie number two. This one falls into the Vincent Price list. This is number eight on my list that I created. Uh, it's House on Haunted Hill from 1959, directed by that, that rather playful director, William Castle. Uh, it was written by Rob White. The movie stars Vincent Price, Carol Omart, Richard Long, Alan Marshall, Carolyn Craig, Elijah Cook Jr., other folks. The synopsis is listed on IMDb. A millionaire offers $10,000 to five people who agree to be locked in a large, spooky, rented house overnight with he and his wife. Um, yeah, this is this is a movie, once again, that I know incredibly well. Um, the synopsis is actually pretty good there. Um, they miss out a couple of things, and obviously I've spoken about the remake before, um, on my top 10 best and worst horror remakes. Unfortunately, landed in the memory serves it was number 10 I think on the worst horror remakes list I'm glad I've never watched it then I, I, I think but see I think there's plenty in it that you would like um, not that I'm advocating you watch it uh, <laughs> like um, I think I think it's pretty cool seeing uh, Jeffrey Rush basically embody Vincent Price he goes full Vincent Price in it you've got uh, Jeffrey Combs uh, is in that movie playing a role which I can only describe as completely fucking terrifying um, <laughs> out with that uh, there's not much else I could I know I get a lot of shit a lot of the time like people like Jason Lloyd will say this movie isn't scary I don't know Jason I, I still think there's a couple of sequences even though I'm cu- I know they're coming in this movie there's a couple of sequences in this movie that terrify the ever-living fuck out of me and they involve an old woman Um so oh, yeah, that dude. old woman's scary as shit. I mean, that'd put you off going to your grandmother for life. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, this movie, like I say, I'm very, very well-versed in this one. Um, it lands comfortably at number eight, and I think the reason behind that is Vincent Price is so charming in this movie, yet so playfully menacing that it's a delight to watch him. I think his performance all the way through it is, is like with most of William Castle's movies, there's a, a degree of kind of camp sense of humour involved, especially with the way Price plays it. It's that kind of tongue-in-cheek thing where they acknowledge the audience is watching. Um, so some of the, the, the things that are said are played deliberately to the audience. Um which I think is, I think it's a really cool thing. I, I think it's, I think I don't necessarily know how well that would play now with today's audiences, but it's something I would like to see. I mean, the last movie that I know that did that was like Funny Games, um, where you know it's played directly for audience reaction. And right. I, you know, and that one's a lot more serious than this. So, but yeah, Vincent Price is phenomenal in this one. His interactions between himself and the wife, um, and you know he and the guests and even he with the 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 guy who uh, is caretaker of the house who constantly every room they go into can recite who died where and when and the <laughs> only way, historian yeah the only way you can get through the day is by slamming drinks and praying that they don't all die um i think it's brilliant i think there's some fantastic effects in this for 1959 that i think still really hold up well um one being as cheesy as it sims the old woman 
uh, who appears to be floating. I think that's there's something about it. it's it's almost obvious how they did it, but that in some way makes it even more fucking creepy when you think about it. Uh-huh. Um, the hung body, I think, is a, 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 an amazing effect. The rope that ties around the woman's legs, I think, is a great effect. While she's the reverse reverse motion, I'd forgotten. I'd completely forgotten about that shot yeah. until I watched this here recently. I was like, it's just like fucking Evil Dead One. Yeah, and I mean, these are all these tricks that were using back then. Uh, which you know, I mean, that was uh, Sam Raimi grew up on that, and Sam Raimi d- wanted to use all those kind of old school tricks, the tricks that he'd seen in things like uh, you know Three Stooges movies and stuff like that, that he wanted to bring over, and that's the the sort of shit that he did. But he just ramped up the gore. Um, I think it's, I think the thing about the movie is that it doesn't feel that old, even though it's black and white and people are talking in a particular way. And, you know, it, it just the story itself and the way it's handled and, and things, I don't feel like, you know, that this movie is almost 60 years old um, at all. It just it, it doesn't feel like that. Um, and Price is, like I say, his, his, his presence on screen is charming when it needs to be. It's threatening when it needs to be. Uh, there's a degree of menace in it and he he just switches between those different aspects of the the Vincent Price personality bank when he wants he just like he he kneels in the matrix he plugs something at the back of his head and all of a sudden he knows how to be evil Um, (laughs) and and that's that's how he, he plays in this movie I just think it's brilliant now I wanted to get rush through that and get that out of the way because I want to hear why you love this movie so much Mark oh man yeah this is this is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Like there's just, like you said, there's something kind of timeless about this. It doesn't really, it doesn't feel like an old timey movie. There's not lots of, you know, references to the time. It's, it's aged incredibly fucking well. Um, this is in the public domain. So this is super, super widely available. Like it's on almost every one of those, you know, 50 horror movies for five bucks kind of packs. Yeah. So, and it, uh, I watched it free on Amazon Prime. I, I think Screen Factory put out a Blu-ray of this like a couple years ago. That's mm-hmm. like a a really good quality version of this because a lot of the time you'll get ones that have been you know they're copies of copies of copies. But uh, I fucking adore the shit out of this movie. First of all, I really think this is one of the scariest movies ever made. Like it's it's unbelievably, and. And to be able to do that and keep the movie really fun is kind of a, a feat in itself. Like it doesn't, you can make a movie really scary, but if it if you don't get any like pleasure out of it, if it's just kind of dark and grim, it, you know, leaves you with kind of this is this movie is like insanely amount. It's it's a crazy amount of fun, and uh, like yeah, the 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 jump scares get me every fucking time. I've seen this like a hundred times probably, and there's something just so well crafted about that the the old lady in the basement basically because it's just it's such it's a a, such a crazy combination of things i mean like the the score drops out for a really long time before that it's kind of just uh that poor girl nora who just is she's kind of the bruce campbell of this movie she just gets (laughs) punished through the whole fucking thing it's just mentally broken down by the end of it and uh, she's in this little tiny dark room, only lit with a fucking candle. And they've already like really well established that it's it's just like a closet. You go in and there's you know four walls and nothing in there really. 
and the old lady comes from the direction where she would have had to have like she comes from the opposite side of where the door is mm-hmm. and Nora's just like all bent over and you know in the dark tapping on the wall or whatever and then she stands up in this fucking cataract eyed fucking witch looking bitch is standing there like <laughs> making the fucking scary guy face to you and the fucking the music rises up in this just enormous like sting and that girl Nora's got a great scream too like yeah there's, there's lots of awesome fucking just sound design and like this this movie is great in the fucking sound department but yeah dude that scare gets me every fucking time and there's even like a there's I, I'd kind of forgotten too about there's a scene before that where the old lady just like creeps out of the shadows for a minute and, and like when i say creep i mean she she floats she glides <laughs> it's like it's like an old magic trick that's like super effective because it looks like it doesn't look like an effect it looks like something super fucking unnatural that's actually happening this bitch is floating across the floor and yeah there's something just super fucking scary that's that's something that always gets me every time is when mm-hmm. people float and yeah, there's just that one quick little scene where she just like floats out of the shadow and the sound design is really crazy. It's like this weird like kind of insect kind of like ugh, creepy crawly kind of sound and then she floats back and it's just it's so simple but it's so fucking scary. I don't know what it is about it. It gives me like those two scenes just give me fucking goosebumps every time. <laughs> I just want to just jump out of my fucking skin. <laughs> And the rest, the rest of the movie is really effective too. Like, I mean, those are the two like standout scenes of this to to me. But there is a lot of other cool stuff about it. I kind of like the it gets kind of twisty, turny, like murder mystery later when you find out kind of what's really going on. And that Vincent Price it makes it even more confusing because like up until that point you kind of see is like all right, Vincent Price is the bad guy. He's got this all set up so that he can do something nefarious. But it's actually spoiler alert since this is like super old uh, <laughs> it's his wife and the fucking psychiatrist guy and yeah it just and like the thing with the hanging like how they, they she's like can i take this fucking harness off right now and it's just like kind of pulling the curtain back and be like all right like you've seen some crazy shit in this movie but it can all be explained with like super old magic trickery kind of so yeah it, it adds kind of a realistic like tone to it and like the vat of acid is hilarious to me like like i said <laughs> i didn't realize that was a thing that people just have vats of acid in their in their uh house but like the whole thing with the skeleton is like it's it, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief but it's not it's 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 sort of goofy looking by today's standards but I mean, if you if you can just let, like kind of let that go and just have fun with it, I think it's a pretty satisfying ending. And um, one thing I didn't know is when this originally when this came out in theaters back in '59, uh, William Castle used to do this thing at the theaters where oh, yeah. <laughs> the skeleton, like when the skeleton comes out on screen in the theater, they would have like a, a wire and like box rig type of thing to launch like an actual fake skeleton above people's heads in the theater. Yeah, from front to back, which is crazy. <laughs> like, I can't, like, how, I, I would think people would be like, would want to be like burning the theater down. They'd be so terrified. 
Like after <laughs> after everything that's come in this movie, and then all of a sudden a goddamn skeleton. Like I, I think there's a reason they don't do this this sort of thing in theaters. Yeah, he was he was the master. Of, he was the, like he he was the guy that had people signing waivers before they went to see movies in case they died. You know, they they died in the theater of fright, so they couldn't be sued. <laughs> He's the same guy that during the movie The Tingler would have certain seats in the auditorium rigged to give you small electric shocks, and those were the ones you know you'd felt the presence of the tingler um, you know just crazy crazy shit just to get any gimmick possible to get people into your movie as if having a scary movie already with Vincent Price arguably one of the greatest icons of you know in horror cinema wasn't enough to add that extra thing on top just to get that one extra scare it, I'm a master showman apparently they had to stop doing these skeleton things because once word got out uh, kids would bring slingshots into the theater <laughs> and would try and hit the fucking skeletons with like ball bearings and fucking BBs and rocks and shit so I'm sure they got some complaints from the theaters and had to quit doing that but uh, yeah I, I adore this fucking movie it's, it's, it's one of my favorite movies of all time easily like it's just a fucking delight to watch this thing everybody in it is great I, I love the drunk guy that's just like he's he's so convinced that because isn't there a thing like some of his family or something used to live in the house and got killed there yeah yeah and he, and same in the remake as well they, in the remake they try where possible they get a character who's like a, a less neurotic version of that they actually stick more true to that aspect than than someone else I think it's the grand son of the last person to kill themselves in that yeah. property as well so they carry over a lot of those elements as well he's brilliant to watch the fact that his face appears right at the very beginning floating oh, yeah. to start to you know to count down those you know the deaths and then it's you know preceded by Vincent Price telling you exactly what's going to happen and then you know I love the fact that we get all those horrific scares and then Vincent Price tells him the door's about to get locked you know, we've already seen the floaty woman and all the rest, and he's like, right, if you want to leave, now is the time to do it. And then the doors are locked. And like you say, the, the fact that ultimately what this movie is is a murder mystery. And um, on one hand, we've got the, the doctor and his wife trying to make um, Nora so neurotic and so paranoid and so in shock that she will kill Vincent Price's character um, but what they don't know is Vincent Price knows that they're colluding together to do that so he's set up this system that he's going to basically get rid of them at the party as well so it kind of works you know there's a, there's a really good kind of twist there at the end um, which works really well you know if you've never seen it before it works really well after that it's just fun to see it on the screen um, <laughs> uh, yeah I think I think the thing about like I say I think the thing about the movie is how easy it is to watch the rewatch value in this movie is ridiculous I've seen it like easily easily 15, 20 times I think in my life and um, yeah. I'll still continue watching it you know it's, it's not going to be anything that I I'm going to kind of cut back on watching somewhere down the line um, so yeah I think uh, I think um, it's it's a pretty pretty powerful performance a pretty powerful movie is there anything else you want to say about it before we take a short break and then sit down and discuss the ultimate question the question that people want to know listening to this uh, this episode is who had the better performance um nah I think that's about it this this movie this is like required viewing you should probably break this bad boy out like around Halloween time 
Apparently, a lot of people credit the the beginning and the end of the movie where the soundtrack is just like people screaming and stuff. A lot of people say that was the inspiration for them to start making like records that were like haunted house sound, you know, scary sounds of the haunted house and stuff. I think Disney put out one of those records real early on. And apparently, this movie is credited for starting that because that was. You know, starting the movie off in pitch black and all you can hear is like people screaming and like, I think that's Nora's scream that comes at the very beginning of the movie. That's just like so fucking shrill and makes your skin crawl like they apparently they got the idea to yeah start making entire albums that were just that from this movie, which I think is pretty fucking bitching. Yeah, I did not know that either. I did not know that. Right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, it's time to discuss who is our victor in this episode, or is it a draw? Who knows? We can only tell as soon as we come back right after this. You know those old-time radio shows with the married couples who bicker about the kids and the car and the neighbors? Our podcast is a lot like that. Yeah, well, if you replace the kids, the car, and the neighbors with devil movies, theology, and vodka. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. And we are the hosts of Kiss the Goat, a different kind of movie podcast. Every episode, we review a devil movie. You know, possessions, exorcisms, the Antichrist, and we stomp a mud hole in it, even if we like it. We are huge fans of comparative religion, and we love to compare real belief systems with what Hollywood seems to think belief systems are. But don't think we're not civic-minded, because each episode includes our Satan in the News segment, where our fearless correspondent, Sin Fallon, documents the eternal struggle between good and evil. And, as high-functioning alcoholics, we give every movie its own drinking game so that you can enjoy the movie just like we did. Ripped to the tits. <laughs> and there is ever so much more to the show than that. And let me tell you, it ain't for kids. Hell, it ain't for most adults. But it might be for you. You won't know until you listen to Kiss the Goat exclusively on the Legion Network of Podcasts. That's Kiss the Goat. We're the lighter side. Of the dark side. <laughs> 72 movies that shocked a nation and made an infamous list the video nasties. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you can join me and my co-host Andy Blockley. Hello, hello. As we chat about the 72 films, reviewing them all from the Video Nasty List live on our podcast. Tell them about it, Andy. Okay, in 1982, 20,000 films were seized in London alone because they were too nasty to be watched. Come and find out why. That's right. The show's called Doing the Nasty Podcast. You can find it exclusively on the Horrorphilia Network of Podcasts. Come and check us out. And welcome back. So you have heard two movie reviews on this show. Uh, we've done The Curse of Frankenstein and The House on Haunted Hill. Um, both very different movies um, and very different styles of performing. Um, but ultimately, we need to come to a decision at the end of this, this show as to who had the better performance and thus who will receive their points. Just a quick reminder, um, if both of us agree... 
then that person gets two points. If we disagree with each other, um, each will get one point. Um, and I'm going to say there's no surprise here at all um, in any way, shape or form. To me, Vincent Price wins this round. I think Price in this role is having an absolute blast. You can see that he's really enjoying what he's doing. But at the same time, I think there's levels of depth to the character which work really well in that way that very few actors out with Vincent Price can you know, cock an eyelid and then all of a sudden people are like, oh, wait one second, and then the eyebrow gets raised, and then you're like, oh, he's thinking something <laughs> sinister. Um, very, very few actors have that presence with just facial expressions between... He's got that great way of going from, like, extreme face to a smile, where you're, like, one minute you're kind of feeling a bit pensive, and they're like, oh, he's smiling, and then you're like, wait one second, that smile's menacing, oh, no! Um, and that's, I think, his dialogue's brilliant in the movie, I think he plays the part, like better than anyone I could think of. I think he just seems to really encapsulate the role. And yeah, it's a brilliant movie as well. And I think, yeah, I just think Vincent Price, to me, um, is the better performer from the two. Uh, I, I, I will say that it is a slight disadvantage that Lee doesn't have any lines. Um, but at the same time, I think his performance is absolutely terrifying. I just think we get one more screen time of Vincent Price in this movie and the quality is a bit higher. Uh, Mark, do you agree or disagree, sir? And if so, why? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said, basically. And it's it's not really a fair fight because Christopher Lee is like, yeah, he has no dialogue. And he's not really... If, if this was between Peter Cushing and Vincent Price, I think it would have been a hell of a lot closer because they both kind of seem to, like, just, I guess, relish in, this, in these roles that just... Yeah, definitely for Vincent Price, this is like a tour de force. The, this is probably my favorite Vincent Price performance. And both movies are really, really fucking outstanding. But uh, there's, I'm trying not to be biased here, but there's definitely mad nostalgia with House on Haunted Hill because it's been one of my favorites for a long time. But mm -hmm. yeah, just strictly based on performance, I think this is like Vincent Price at his fucking peak. This, this was. A, a role written for him. I guess this was a, a two-picture deal with William Castle uh, for this and The Tingler were both kind of yeah. conceived around the same time and it's because Price had gotten passed up on a, or they passed on him on a previous William Castle role so yeah, I I, I gotta go with Price although, I, yeah, I'll definitely say this uh, watching this one, uh, the other one it makes me want to check out some more Hammer stuff because I, I, there's a lot of it I haven't seen and I, I need to do some catching up Ah, see, this is this is what I, this is my secret mission. Is every guest that I have on is to promote movies they've not seen. Uh, last week when we had Mike Merriman on, he admitted that I hadn't seen many of the Paul Corman movies, um, and uh, he was going to go through and watch some more of them. And you're going to watch some more Hammer. I'm going to apologise because when you start hitting kind of uh, the last couple of Hammer horror movies, they're pretty rough. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to lie pretty rough but there's some absolute wonderful movies in there that um, some more Hammer Horror actually on this list uh, culminating in my favourite Hammer Horror movie of all time which is uh, The Devil Rides Out which I think is fucking oh, so amazing and Christopher Lee it's like one of his best roles ever so can't wait to work my way down to that but uh, in, the, in the meantime in the weeks that now lie until I get to 
like jizz all over that movie. Um, ridiculous amounts. Without wiping, because I don't wipe, Mark. Um, <laughs> that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that sound. Um, yeah, so um, we, we need to firstly thank you for, for coming back under the stairs to join me on this most special top 10 countdown Christopher Lee versus Vincent Price uh, I don't even know what my top 10 countdown is going to be next year I'm going to have to try and better this one which is going to be quite difficult um, but would you like to remind the listeners where they can check out your stuff and the shows that you're on uh, the Midnight Horror Show is the big one uh, TMHS Radio every Wednesday at 7 Eastern uh, uh, 7pm that is uh <laughs> Uh, go join the Facebook group, The Midnight Horror Show. Go like the page, Midnight Horror. That's facebook.com slash Midnight Horror Home. Uh, go to SoundCloud. A uh, shitload of back episodes there. More coming like on a easily weekly basis. I throw a couple more of those up there in case you haven't heard the old shows. And uh, yeah, that about, cover, about covers it. Fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on the show again. I'm going to take a very short break. When I come back, I'm closing out this show right after this. midnight enough time for one more story they tried to kill us you ungodly warlock <laughs> but we just won't stay dead what's the matter you can't hold your liquor huh the midnight horror show the internet's goriest and raunchiest horror podcast since 2008 now live every Wednesday night at 7pm Eastern Time at tmhsradio.com Listen on your mobile device with the TuneIn app, search TMHS Radio, or download us at iTunes, Podomatic, or the TMHS Radio page. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs, episode number 62, which was number 8 on my countdown of the top 10 best horror performances by Vincent Price versus Christopher Lee. Oh, there you go. So Vincent Price pulls ahead again. Vincent Price is now four points to two over Christopher Lee. Things are starting to get a bit tense already um, and we will see if he continues that trend or whether we can bring it back to uh, another tie on next week's show when I'm joined by my good friend and colleague over at Doing the Nasty Podcast, Mr Andy Blockley, one half of the Big Horror Little Podcast, will join me for another two movie reviews. We will be discussing for Christopher Lee, The Whip and the Body from Mario Bava and uh, we'll be doing a, a little movie called House of Wax. You may have heard of it before. I don't know. Stars this guy, Vincent Price. So yeah, that'll be next week. I can't wait to finally, um, you know, get a chance to talk about The Whip in the Body, which is a movie I've been wanting to talk about for years. And I only recently got myself a Blu-ray copy. I bought one for Andy for his birthday as well. Why not get him on the show to discuss it? It just feels right. It just feels so right. Um, so yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this show. I hope you've enjoyed um, the run of shows thus far covering these top 10 movies. It's really an embarrassment of riches when, when you're uh, left to your own devices with friends to to basically sit down and talk about Christopher Lee and Vincent Price movies, they're all pretty much 
home runs in my eyes and the, the list is just uh, week after week it's just great movie after great movie so I'm having a lot of fun doing this um, some housekeeping at the end of the show um, it's just to do a big shout out to Misty and Ben from the Black Anis podcast um, they dropped their very first episode this week exclusively on Legion Podcast Network um, and it is an absolute stormer of an episode, really 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 good, it's finally uh, an opportunity to put some voices to some names, which is you know, uh, you chat to these people online but you, you don't know how they sound and then you, you get a chance to hear their podcast and um, I was bowled over, I thought it was excellent and it is um it is a great pleasure to welcome to the Legion Podcast family, Black Anis. I think that show is going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun moving forward. So hopefully you guys will go across and check that show out. Uh, go over to their Facebook page, the Black Anis Podcast fa- uh, Facebook page, and show them some love over there. Um, and yeah, that's I, I was so happy to, to have that show drop on the network this weekend. It, it was one of those things where... It's always great to to have more shows on Legion and just expand that um, podcast community that we've all kind of all kind of come up with, and um, all the shows are just fantastic. So yeah, over over the moon that they've joined us. So um, much love to those guys out over there, uh, and also another quick reminder that you can check it Kiss the Goat exclusively on Legion Podcast Network as well. Jeff and Cootie and Sin over there doing um, some fantastic work. A devil movie each show. I mean, why, you know, what could possibly persuade you not to listen to that show? You should be over there checking those guys out. Um, Jeff has been on this show a couple of times. And um, I don't know if you guys remember, but on a previous episode, Jeff may have mentioned a little project he was involved with in terms of uh, contributing a short story to an anthology series, which um, the money's all going to charity. It's going to a British charity, actually. And, um, I mean, the name sold it for me straight away, the Black Room Manuscripts, Volume 1, and uh, it officially dropped, uh, or drops, on the 3rd of August, so it will be out by the time this show airs. And our man Jeff has uh, has put a short story in there, and there should be no reason for you not to go and check that out. It is the measly sum of ten dollars uh, for for the paperback copy, or you can get it for five dollars for your Kindle, and that money's going to a good cause. Um, so uh, get get off your get off your uh, buying finger um, if you have a buying finger. That's a weird sentence, buying finger. That's kind of weird. That says a lot about me, I think. So uh, <laughs> instead of itchy trigger finger, itchy buying finger. And then more Blu-rays arrive at the house. More Blu-rays than you can possibly watch in a day. Um, but yeah, so go and, uh, go and support that great cause. And um, yeah, it's, like I say, great cause. And it helps a friend out. And I think that's I think that's what we do best in the horror podcast community and the horror community in general is we look after our own and Jeff is one of our own so go go forth and buy. Um, so yeah, I, I will be back next week, like I said, with uh, Andy Blockley to to do some more uh, Christopher Lee and Vincent Price. I can't 
wait, actually can't wait. Um, but just remember there are a multitude of ways, a plethora if you will, um, of ways to check out the podcast Under the Stairs. You can listen to us directly through iTunes at Podcast Under the Stairs. Uh, go to our website which is podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com um, You can listen to us through Stitcher Smart Radio and you can also check us out on the Legion Podcast Network. Um, if you are listening to us through iTunes you can leave us a review over there if it was 5 stars for example the more of them we get the higher up the ratings we go uh, not had a review in over a month it'd be nice to see a new one drop um, and yeah I keep my eyes peeled for that I like I like checking it out and every now and again being surprised with a nice new shiny review um, you can also uh, leave us feedback uh, directly through the Legion podcast on the webpage or you can um, get in touch with us through Twitter it's at teapotscast on our Facebook group if you're not over there already it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast and also through email podcast under the stairs at gmail.com and another reminder that in just under a month we will be celebrating our second year anniversary and we encourage you all out there to send us tons of love and feedback um, whether it's to our email address written or if you have a mobile device that allows you to record mp3s record as a short mp3 and send in by email to podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com they will be played out on the show I can't wait for that show it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun um, I don't think there's anything else left for me to say I think I've said it all oh yeah uh, posters <laughs> if you're still in the in the the mindset that you want to buy one of those podcasts under the stairs posters designed by the very talented Graham Humphreys horror artist extraordinaire um, we have approximately 40 posters left now they're numbered uh, there was only 75 made when they're gone they're gone it is £12.50 in the UK that's including postage and packaging if you're in the States it's $23 including postage and packaging and we will send them out straight away if you're interested drop me a line um, either on Facebook private message or you can send us an email podcast under the stairs at gmail.com and I think that's everything that I need to say on this show thank you very much for all the support and all the love it is all greatly appreciated And until the next time I speak to you, which will be sooner than you think, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from the void, signing off. Oh, I ain't joking when I'm telling you that while in the Yakima, digging up them thundering stones, while we cracked them wide open, the mountain started smoking and the skies are the color of a grove. From the battle to the battle, I let it all hang out. Fires in the Northlands, floods to the south. From the battle to the battle. Say our lives came away and 